Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. another episode of the lakers fast break podcast it's gerald glasser come right back at you here for the lakers fast break pop culture cosmos where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week twice a week wherever you get your podcasts and of course it's a big week this week for pop culture because the writers guild strike has ended effectively with both sides coming to a tentative agreement so we could see a lot going forward a lot sooner which I know is going to make a lot of people out there happy. So we'll go ahead and discuss that later this week, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But also as well, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, go ahead and check out our thoughts on what's going on with the NFL and fantasy football. I'm going to try and see if I can sneak on Magic Man and Joe Sorrell for that show as well. So we'll go ahead and check out their thoughts after they had some definitive thoughts on our Sunday's Lakers fast break on the NFL. So you want to catch that actually, uh, Caught my family on surprise when I had it up on the refrigerator earlier today. <laughs> Joe was quite mad, and so was Sean indeed. But go ahead and check that out from last night after you check out today's show. But Inside Sports Fantasy Football, of course, Joe Sorrow. You can find him as Ox1947 at LakersBall.com. Go ahead and support them today at Lakers Ball. Plus also as well, he's got a great company. I know he's just getting off work. He's doing a lot of things with some clients. He's going to try and juggle his schedule to show up today for the great conversation we're having. But you know he runs his company. Of course, it's Simblades. Simblades with a Y.com. Also as well, of course, Laker Tom, the number one Lakers blogger that's out there, Jamie Sweet. You can find them at Lakerholics.com. Laker Tom was here over the weekend on Lakerholics Spotlight. and had some things to say about the Lakers' current rotation and so much more. So go ahead and hear what he has to say, plus his latest articles at Lakerholics.com. Empire Jeff TV and John McCallion on YouTube. Please subscribe to those guys today. Great channels. One covers the NBA and one covers life and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. So go ahead and check out both those great channels. And speaking of subscribing, please click on the little Joe Soro on the right-hand corner of your screen with the little beady eyes. Go ahead and click on it. You can, it's okay. You can poke his eyeballs out. That's fine while you're subscribing because when you do, you'll get the latest notifications on when we go live with the latest Lakers Fast Break podcast. Delano, good to have you here. 
pretty appreciate it so much everybody else in the chat room the best lakers chat room that's out there the lakers fast break truly appreciate it but we're talking nba observations we are we going to be talking the lakers on uh, on the back end of the show as we always do for team observations from every single team in the league today's we're going to be covering the memphis grizzlies and here today to cover the memphis grizzlies plus his thoughts on the los angeles lakers and so much more a great man indeed you got to go ahead and check out all the great work that he does for bluff city media today starting with bluffcitymedia.co right there for you it is joe mullinax and joe great to have you here truly appreciate your time and checking us out here at the lakers fast break talking today about the memphis grizzlies thank you so much for having me you know it's it's still kind of a sore subject you guys embarrassed us pretty good uh there in that first round series things closing out it got so bad we were counting on luke Kennard to save us so when when you get that deep uh you're you're pretty you're pretty uh into the abyss so to speak so it was a, a tough end of the season and you know unfortunately the lakers seem to have only gotten better right they're they're a functional front office. They had a very good offseason. I know we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but uh, it's a good time to be a Lakers fan, better than it was, you know, several years ago before LeBron got there. Absolutely. Uh, I did check out at that point in time after the playoffs just ended the thoughts of the, several of the Memphis Grizzly fan boards, and they were not too pleased with, with the team, with the Lakers. <laughs> it just seemed like a collective. Uh, Dylan Brooks obviously was a particular point of vitriol right. amongst the, the Memphis fan base and you know he's gone on to a lot greener pastures that's for sure but moving him aside you guys got to go ahead as far as with the season start of the season may not look as rosy for you guys as the back end of it because the back mm -hmm. end of it obviously should it with oh, health willing have everybody back in place uh, as far as you know as far as let's see who you got Steven Adams uh, he's coming mm -hmm. back off an of injury. He said, uh, I think the belief is that he'll come off, uh, I think, at, right around the start of the season, he'll be ready. Is that correct? Yeah, I think the current plan, Grizzlies uh, head coach Taylor Jenkins was interviewed recently. He He's hopeful that they are going to have him clear from the jump of training camp here in the next few days, which is good. Uh, how about Brandon Clark? Because I know he was also had a great injury as well, and I know he's coming. Yeah. Co Back at working hard, of course, to get back into the lineup. Sure. Torn Achilles. So that's a little bit more long term. He suffered that injury in March, I believe. So even with the advances in modern medicine, it won't be till early 2024 that he'll be back. The Grizzlies have some depth in the front court. They have Santi Aldama, uh, who the Lakers effectively bullied uh, in the playoff series this past year. But at least in terms of bodies, they have Santi Aldama. They have Xavier Tillman Sr., who did a semi good job, as good of a job as you can when you're a center defending LeBron James. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say that they have some depth in that front court that won't necessarily uh, lead them to being in a position where they miss Brandon Clark as much, but the athleticism of Clark obviously is unique and, and really gives Memphis a different kind of attack than what Steven Adams would do as a big. They can be a little more versatile defensively. So they'll miss Clark, but at least they have more bodies in the front court that they can throw at the problem. I agree with you on that. Again, you've got a lot of variances once everybody is healthy and, and back up and running that you throw at people, especially uh, in the front court, uh, definitely. But obviously, the season, why I said, might not start as well as, as you would normally hope is 
but due to partially because of the 25 game suspension that John Morant has going for him. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on that and how it affects the team. Obviously, in years past, if you've seen and checked out the records, they haven't done too bad at all and have done extremely well when John Morant has been out of the lineup. But with Tyus Jones gone, that may change. That's a significant point to make. I think that we underestimate how Tyus Jones allowed for the Grizzlies to play a different style of basketball than they do with John Morant. You know, the the lazy thing to say is that the Grizzlies are better without John Morant. That's obviously not true. That'd be like saying the Lakers are better without LeBron James or the Lakers are better without Anthony Davis. Even if there's some numbers that maybe suggest they might be in certain categories, obviously the Lakers need those guys. And John Morant is that guy for the Memphis Grizzlies. However, with Tyus Jones as the starting point guard, they play a different style of basketball that moves the ball a little bit more, finding the great shot as opposed to the good shot. There's less isolation scoring opportunities, especially from the main ball handler and the case of Tyus when he was here in Memphis. And that matters, right? The, the way that they played was different and that led to the Grizzlies' success. And I think that you hit the nail on the head. People kind of assume that that's going to continue. I don't necessarily. And that doesn't mean that I'm down on Marcus Smart because I think he's a great guy to bring in to this Grizzlies organization for multiple reasons. I wrote about it over at Bluff City Media, talked about it over on Lockdown Grizzlies, our podcast uh, that I do with my co-host, Michael Cole, who's the Commercial Appeals beat writer there in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not as sold on that because Marcus Smart is not a true point guard like Tyus Jones is a true point guard. Right. If you followed the Boston Celtics this past year at all, you this was the first time that they really had Boston had Marcus Smart being that true point guard, at least in a traditional sense. And he struggled at times. I don't think that's the best use of him. I think he is a combo guard that is a good secondary facilitator. He's not a great primary facilitator of offense. And that's going to be an adjustment. So Desmond Bain's there. Obviously, that's very helpful. Desmond Bain is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Jaron Jackson Jr. coming off a Defensive Player of the Year award. Steven Adams' return is going to be significant. But I do believe that you're going to see some growing pains because Smart and Tyus are two different types of point guards. They're not going to be able to do it the same way without job that they have in the past. Once again, go ahead and check out the great work of course, with Joe Molinax at Bluff City Media. Please go ahead and check out his great work today. It cannot be stressed enough to go ahead also as well to check out his great Locked On podcast as well, right there for you. But also here today, good man indeed. He's the madman for Toronto. He did get out of Toronto traffic to put on that awesome Lakers hockey jersey. It is the Magic Man, Sean Grice. The Magic Man, great to have you here talking to Memphis Grizzlies and Los Angeles Lakers. Your thoughts, my friend, as Joe Molinax is here. He's here to answer your questions, my friend. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Nice to have you on the on the show, Joe. Um, Thanks, so, so we know that the the three cornerstones for the Grizzlies are are Jaw, Triple J, and now Desmond Bain. Um, I love Desmond Bain as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's smart. He's tough. He understands what they're trying to do out there. Uh, he picks up other teammates when they make mistakes and he doesn't, he just goes back and does his job. He's not uh, so full of himself either. He's got a lot of humility out there. He's also one of the deadliest three point shooters in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And you combine that with, uh, with somebody like Luke Kennard, who 
the Clippers boneheadedly decided to trade uh, at the trade deadline. And uh, Memphis was uh, the team that benefited from that. I mean, look, you can you could say a lot about Luke's defense, but he is an excellent three-point shooter. And uh, he helps the team with their, their offensive versatility. So I, I agree with your assessment about smart. That's why I think it's uh, Taylor Jenkins, we know, is one of the best coaches in the NBA from an X's and O's point of view, Joe. So um, who do you expect to step up? Because we know that those are the three cornerstones. So there's only two other starting spots, right? Sure. And and Chris Kleiman has drafted supremely well over the past four years. So, like, who's going to step up here? Because uh, uh, there was thoughts that it was Zaire Williams a few mm. years ago, right? But now Kenneth Lofton Jr. and kind of David Rowdy have kind of stepped up and uh, asserted themselves. Mm. How do you how do you see Taylor juggling this depth? Because it's really nice. Well, you're correct. Zach Kleiman, Grizzlies GM, has done a phenomenal job building the roster. And we were talking about recently – the way that it's been built, this is kind of a preview of Tuesday's episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. J.J. Redick, Evan Turner, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, on an episode of Old Man and the Three, they went off on a tangent about NBA expansion, and Evan Turner said something about moving the Grizzlies out of Memphis to Nashville, and J.J. Redick agreed it's a Kansas City or some sort of thing like that. And J.J. apologized for it, so I'm not trying to bash J.J. Redick. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make is, Memphis is not Los Angeles, right? I, I think your listeners and viewers probably understand that, even if they've never been to Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis is not Miami. It's not New York. They have to build their roster differently. They can't depend on free agency. The biggest free agency signing in the history of the Memphis Grizzlies is Chandler Parsons, and that mm. went horribly, right? So they have to do it through the draft. They have to do it via trade. They have to be very specific with the types of guys that they bring in because Memphis is not one of those marquee markets that people are want to go play for in free agency, like Los Angeles. No offense. Before LeBron, you guys weren't managed particularly well, and then LeBron shows up and things start turning around the right way because the weather is beautiful in Los Angeles and Hollywood's there. You know, It's not because of the Lakers' dynasty at that point because the Lakers hadn't been a dynasty in some time. Um, but obviously, as I mentioned a moment ago, the Lakers have had a very good offseason, and I think they're back in that mix again this coming year. I want to acknowledge that Marcus Smart should be a starter, even though he does not have the traditional size on the wing. He is better than Zaire Williams. He's better than David Roddy. Jake LaRavia is another name that was important uh, to what they want to do. They, they're just not ready. Right. And to me, the, the Marcus Smart trade was the first salvo of Zach Kleiman saying, we're contending now. That was the first time that they gave up first round picks in the entire Zach Kleiman era as a GM was to go get Marcus Smart. So with that in mind, I think that is them saying we're going to contend. It's now they didn't trade away Tyus Jones and two first round picks for him to be some guy off the bench. I think he's going to start even with John Moran just back. And then you have Steven Adams, who is one of the most underappreciated players in the NBA, an underappreciated passer. I always like to say he's elite at being a large human being. He understands how to set screens. He's very difficult to work around. You know, someone like Anthony Davis may not have the same kind of issues with Steven Adams that 90% of the league has because of his physical size and athleticism. But Steven Adams is a force to be reckoned with, and he provides space through those screens, and he provides elite 
best of the best in the NBA offensive rebounding. That helps in half-court offense that was ranked 25th last season in the NBA. That's the biggest weakness. With Marcus Martin, Jaron Jackson Jr. on your team, and Desmond Bain is an underrated defender in his own right, the Grizzlies are going to be a top five defense in the NBA. I have no real doubt about that. Me neither. The concern is the, offen- the, the, concern is the offensive side of the court and how they're going to continue to improve and evolve that. I think Marcus Smart not being Dylan Brooks is going to help, who you guys mentioned earlier. Uh, he had a career-worst offensive season, and Marcus Smart's just not going to shoot the basketball that much, so they're naturally going to improve in that way. No. But I also think that we underestimate how important Steven Adams was to the offensive side of things, helping that a half-court offense get extra possessions and create more space to operate with his screens. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know, condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I I just had talked about that, and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it is Joe Mullinax. Please go ahead and check out all the great work that he does for Bluff City Media. Also as well, he's the host of Locked On Grizzlies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Go ahead and support him today. Also a good friend of ours. Raphael Barlow, you know him well mm. from the Locked On NBA draft stuff that he does. does he's phenomenal. Does a great he, job. Absolutely. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, he saw him when he was here in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, he's just a tremendous person indeed. And, you know, obviously he gets to ch- deal with you guys a lot about, especially with the draft and all the, like Sean said, the great work that your team has done in the draft in recent years. One of the things I want to ask, because this is still a, you know, a, a leaning younger team. Uh, you know, it still leans younger in in, in sure. uh, so many ways. Which of the young kids do you think is the next, or is po- poised to be the next individual that steps up to be a major contributor on the on the Grizzlies roster? Santi Aldama. You know, if you watch FIBA over the summer, Santi played for Team Spain, and in numerous games, he was the best player for Team Spain, whether he was coming off the bench or as a starter in that lineup, it's Santi Aldama. He's six foot 11. He has the ability to score at all three levels. He really showcased that in the international game. Obviously the NBA is different, uh, but he has a a sweet three point stroke. He has the capacity to create off the dribble for himself at that size. Uh, For me, it's Santi Aldama. You can make an argument for Jake LaRavia who has again, sweet looking stroke, but LaRavia hasn't contributed at the NBA level yet. He's looked good in G League games, or he's looked good in the summer league, 
he hasn't put it all together in NBA opportunities just yet. Santi Aldama, you could have said the same thing about this time last year, but then taken out again. He, the Lakers exposed him for the defensive liability he is. That's one of the reasons the series was lost. Santi needs to get better in that area. On the offensive side of things, he's one of those guys that can help in the half court because of all the different stuff he can do with the ball in his hands. So I think Santi Aldama is primed to be an 18 to 20 minute a night scorer of the basketball, eight to 10 points a night, shooting 38% or so from three. You know, he has that ability. And again, at his size, he should be a decent rebounder. He should be an able rim protector as he develops. He's still pretty young and he's someone who with more opportunity, I think is going to take advantage of it. What about a kid like Zaire Williams? I've always been fascinated with his talent, even coming into the draft. Uh, just like you said, one of those individuals who's not put everything together seems to have a, a lot of potential, but really hasn't taken that next step as of yet. And now he's no longer like the youngest kid on the team. Right. He's now in a position where he needs to start producing for your team on a regular basis. He needs to be the guy that they wanted him to be last year. You know, DeMichael, yeah. my co-host on Lockdown Grizzlies and I, we talked about this time last year, how we thought it was Zaire Williams' time to be that sixth man. Because in his rookie campaign, if you remember correctly, he was tasked with defending Steph Curry and did pretty well at times. He made some big shots in playoff series as the Grizzlies advanced out of the first round for the first time in the John Morant era. Zaire has that, he's a legitimate six foot nine wing, right? He's not somebody that you look at him and say, oh, he can play the four. He's a stretch four. No, he's a guard. He's a large perimeter based player. And at least a tall and long one, maybe not large. Yeah. He has not been able to fit into what Memphis wants him to be. Now, obviously, Zaire has California connections, playing out there at Stanford in college. I believe he played out. He was on LeBron James's son's team, if I remember correctly. I think he has connections. I think you're right LeBron. on that one. I remember yeah, that vaguely as well. Calls him Uncle Braun or something like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, Zaire has never been an elite three-point shooter, and Zaire has never been a guy that you task with defending the second best or even the best player for an opposing team. He has a mid-range game, which is really impressive. He, he reminds me a lot of like a DeMar DeRozan or a Joe Johnson in terms of when he has his offensive game going. He could potentially have that ceiling as a scorer, but the Grizzlies try to avoid those kinds of shots like they're the plague. It's all threes or it's all layups. Because of that, I don't know that Zaire's skill set really fits with what Memphis wants to do it, they might be better off attaching him in some sort of trade to try to get an upgrade on the perimeter if they're nervous about Smart being too small, bringing in somebody who is, you know, a bigger, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, just as a hype, hypothetical name that's been thrown out there before. Nazir Little from Portland. You know, there's all sorts of different ways you could go to try to find a way to get a guy who could potentially make more sense in what the Grizzlies are trying to do Zaire Williams at this stage screams like or smells like uh, the Grizzlies front office trading up to 10, hoping hoping they'd get Franz Wagner or Josh Giddy, and neither of those guys falling to them at 10. So they did the next best thing and it's just not working out. Because you got to remember, that was the trade that brought Steven Adams to Memphis, yeah. was that exchange of Adams and 10 for Valanchunas in 17. And then who do the Pelicans take at 17? Trey, Trey Murphy, Murphy. Who, yeah. who, who aside <laughs> from his knee injury – Looks phenomenal as that yes. three. Imagine Trey Murphy on this Grizzlies team. Oh my right? god, they'd be and elite, they'd be elite, they'd be elite. So that's was... one of the major. I mean, Zach Kleiman's done a heck of a job, but that's one of his major flub ups to this point. 
I don't know that I'm ready to give up on Zaire Williams, but if they don't adjust their scheme and allow for him to cook, so to speak, in the space that he's best at, it might be time to move on from him just because you're going to hurt his trade value if you keep letting him, you know, struggle about. Once again, it's Joe Molinax. Please support him today on all of his different ventures, starting with the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, also as well, Bluff City Media. Magic Man, you've got some questions for Joe on the Grizzlies. Again, a team that I know, I, I'm not trying to rub salt into the wound or anything. Again, we got eliminated too, not too much later after that. So we've got some, uh, I guess, uh, things that we would like to say. I, I've got a Nuggets preview coming up here at the end mm. of the week. So, uh, you know, that'll be a, we'll be on the other end of that, so to speak. So, Magic Man, do you have any questions for Joe on, on the Memphis Grizzlies, my friend? Well, I mean, I, I just want to state for the record, Joe, I mean, it was a six-game series, but Memphis was missing Steven Adams and Brandon Clark. Uh, sure. You're missing your best 3 and D player, and you're missing a, a force that is Steven Adams that changes the, the series stylistically. Uh, and not to mention, Ham threw stuff at Taylor Jenkins that he didn't throw at anybody in the season. So that was an adjustment as well. I just want to say those two things played a huge factor in the series. Well, also as well, I Rui. I think Rui's uh, development in that yeah. series threw everybody off, I think. Both sides. Yeah, he literally had never done that before. And I do think that's important to point out. And that's a credit to him. I kept saying, no way Rui Hachimura keeps doing this. There's no way. Oh, he did it again. There's no way he could do it a third time. Oh, he did it a third time, right? He, he took a leap at a very uh, unfortunate time for Memphis Grizzlies fans and the, and the franchise alike. Um, yeah, that series was frustrating. You know, once you get to game six, the deflating feeling of Luke Kennard not being able to play and feeling like that was the final nail in the coffin. You know, I agree that Luke Kennard is underappreciated, but at the same time, he couldn't get off the bench for the Clippers four months prior, uh, going back to that time. And now he's the most important Grizzlies player to try to survive a game six out in Los Angeles. Uh, it, it was really tough. And, you know, the John Morant stuff, he was never the same. You know, he had some good games in that series, but you could just tell his body language was off. That It was the feeling, the vibe was different. The whole team, it just seemed like they were ready to be anywhere else. And the way that that game six concluded, that was the most disappointing part. Like losing to a Lakers team who was one of the best in the NBA since the trade deadline, losing to a Lakers team that has, when healthy, two of the top 10 to 15 players in the NBA and Anthony Davis and LeBron James, Austin Reeves playing the way that he was playing. It, it, that, that, it sucks, but you get it, right? It was yeah. the way that they lost. That was the most disappointing thing. That's what felt like the step backwards for me is this was a team that scratched and clawed and fought, you know, they just laid down in that game six. And I think that's a real reason to point to the significance of Marcus smart. If Marcus smart was on that team, that game six never happens that way. Maybe the Lakers win still. I'm not trying to make it seem like I think Marcus smart turns the tide in that way. I think the Lakers were the better team. And usually in a seven game series that fleshes out. I don't think they get blown out. And I think that he's being brought in to be that mentally tough component that this team is lacking, a veteran leader that has been through the wars and has been to the NBA finals and numerous conference championships. He understands what it takes. And you have to keep in mind, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, those guys are coming of NBA age uh, over the last several years. Most people would say Marcus Smart was the leader of those Boston Celtics teams, not one of mm -hmm. those guys. They, Tatum mm -hmm. and Brown might have been better players, but Smart was the leader. 
Oh, smart, smart see, was uh, a spiritual leader of that team. No right. doubt, Joe. I think no you're going to see a, a, re, a rebirth of that with the Memphis Grizzlies. John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Those are, they are all more talented players. Marcus Smart's going to take and own this team, I think, and make it his. One thing I do want to ask you, though, is when it comes to the Grizzlies and their future going forward for this season, obviously mm-hmm. the John Morant suspension is going to be paramount the first 25 games of the season without John Morant. I ask you, what do you qualify as a good start during you know, that time frame? Let's say tw- game 26, you, and you mm-hmm. do a show, on, you know, because you've got to do at least five shows a week on the Locked On <laughs> I know yeah. this all too well, but one thing I, I ask you, obviously you're going to look back on the 25 games that he was out and ask, was it good or, or beneficial? Was it something that you could build upon for the season? What are you looking to go ahead and say, you know what? This was a job well done by the team as far as what point, what record do you think would be satisfying to you during that time? I haven't written or talked about this yet, but I think that they could take a page from the Los Angeles Lakers uh, of this past year. (laughs) And I know, and and hear me out, I think that, and I made this bold prediction on the stadium podcast, Points in the Paint, uh, because I do their Grizzlies preview as well. I think the Grizzlies could have the best record in the NBA upon Morant's return. Um, So, up until that point, as long as they tread water, like if they're 11 and 14, 10 and 15, even a few games below 500, I think that the John Morant, Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart, yeah, they're undersized, but that's three legitimate creators of offense on the dribble, right? And then you've got Steven Adams creating screens and space for all those dudes to operate. You've got Jaron Jackson Jr., who has evolved as a scorer, can shoot the three, always has been able to do that, but now he's getting to the basket off the dribble. You've got Luke Kennard off the bench. You've got Santi Aldama. You have so many pieces that as long as you're able to keep them together and healthy, the Grizzlies just have a lot of good functional basketball players. And that depth, when it's not being tested, can lead to success in the regular season. So the reason I say take a page out of the Lakers playbook is not necessarily to revamp the roster halfway through the year. It's more so about John Morant's there, you have the capacity to have this depth. You have a chance to deploy it. And if you get hot and you're, again, best record after December 19th, that puts you in the fifth seed conversation, probably in the Western Conference. I think yeah. the Lakers will probably be a top four or so team. That would be a prediction of mine. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. Um, I think you have the Nuggets obviously still in play. The Warriors appear to want to continue to be good. The, the Western Conference is going to continue to be a gauntlet. The Grizzlies did not make the Marcus Smart trade to win in the regular season. They did it because they want to be better prepared for the spring. And I think if Memphis is in a spot long-term where they can get to a place, five seed, six seed even, and they're facing off against a Golden State team that's another year older, and Memphis has all these weapons, if they can figure out their half-court offense issues, this is a really good basketball team still that I think is being overlooked. I think they'll have more issues without jaw than they've had in the past. But I think once Morant returns, assuming again, knock on wood that he actually returns and is the jaw Morant of old and is an MVP candidate quality player. There's not going to be many teams in the NBA better than the Memphis Grizzlies. If they can keep all that together. Once again, please check out the great work that Joe Mullinex does part of bluff city media. And of course the lockdown Grizzlies podcast and a, whole ton of stuff is right there available to you about the Grizzlies and the NBA. Please check out and support his work today. Magic Man, do you have any more thoughts right there on the Memphis Grizzlies, a team that, you know, I'm 
starting to agree. Once you get out of the injuries that that you know they have, as far as you know facing themselves uh, in the beginning part of the season, and once they get out of the suspension from from John Morant, I'm going to tell you, Magic Man, and I, you know you might want to lead that into a question for Joe. I think they look pretty good. Yes, absolutely, Gerald. I I agree, and uh, I, I was just going to ask Joe the same thing. I mean, Joe, you kind of alluded to it when Ja comes back, who the best five would be on the floor, and it obviously would be Ja at the one, Smart at the two, Desmond Bain at the three, then you got Triple J and Adams. So Sands, Ja, Morant, who's the best five to start with the tip for Memphis? Because I, I, if it was me, Joe, I would go with Smart, Concher, Bain, Triple J, and Adams. I just think John Contra is a better defender than than Luke Kennard. I think he gives them a lot more balance. Um, but they might go with Kennard. Who would you go with, Joe? I would go with Kennard, just because I'm so tired of watching John Contra play basketball. <laughs> 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 um, I'm, I'm, just o- I'm just over it. Um, and, and I agree with your assessment of Contra. I, th- I think that you're right, that he's a better defender. He's certainly a better rebounder. And that's something that the Grizzlies need to improve upon as well as their rebounding. But Steven Adams, again, if we're assuming health for everyone, you have to assume health for Steven Adams. And if Steven Adams is out there, he negates a lot of those problems and helps magnify and maximize the strengths of a Jaron Jackson Jr. by his side. I think it's Kennard because, again, the half-court offense is the biggest problem. I find it hard to believe that a team, again, Desmond Bain is an above-average defender. He is better defensively than people give him credit for. He's elite offensively, right? It's him and other all-stars, Kyrie Irving, Nikola Jokic in terms of 21 points, five rebounds, four assists. You know, Desmond Bain's a pretty rarefied air if you look at the numbers. Decent defender too. I refuse to believe that Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Marcus Smart, Steven Adams, that Luke Kennard is going to be the bane of their existence. <laughs> and that, that's the reason that they're going to fall to a top 20 defense instead of a top 15 or 10 with John Morant out. I just struggle to see that. And you can argue Kennard, because he tries hard, might be better defensively than John Morant in some ways. So I would go Kennard because, again, Bain and Kennard together, you guys saw it in the Lakers series. As dumb as it sounds to say out loud, if I was a Lakers fan and Luke Kennard and Desmond Bain were on the court at the same time, I would have been nervous because they were extremely effective in terms of their floor spacing. So I would maximize that and pray to whatever gods may be that Marcus Smart, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams can clean up whatever defensive mishaps might happen. Because, again, my goal going into the season, how do you fix the half-court offense? Because if you don't have that, you don't have a chance in a playoff series against a team like the Lakers. That seems – well, I was going to say – yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say that you know they have a similar type of uh, issues that the Lakers do, that they're not the greatest in the half-court set. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, as a younger team – transition and the Lakers too they thrive in transition obviously getting right. to the foul line is a big part of the Lakers game uh, but Sean any other questions for Joe on the Memphis Grizzlies he's been really really awesome so far as far as telling his thoughts on on what's going on with the Grizzlies but before I close up with one final question on the Grizzlies what you got my friend Absolutely. Uh, and uh, thanks again, Joe, for uh, popping in. It's been a great conversation. So you you mentioned that Kleiman was willing to sacrifice first-round picks, and he hadn't mm-hmm. done that before. And you made the, the comment that's kind of the first step on becoming a contender. 
Uh, as a hoop head, I 100% agree. History is behind you 100% there, sir. What do you think their next step is, the next move? Because do they need do they need more shooting? Do they need, like you said, more of a somebody else to come in and kind of like OG and Obi, Buddy Heald is out there. Though I think those guys would come in sure. and kind of they're now getting the daily treatment everywhere. Yeah, no. well, I mean, but I mean, Gerald, uh, Memphis has been sniffing around OG for about the past two years. Uh, I agree. True. I don't think they're going to get OG and an OB because if they were going to get OG and an OB, they would have had already, right? Okay. Like there's reports that the Grizzlies threw every first round pick they possibly could at Kevin Durant. And the Nets were like, oh, this is interesting. Kevin, what do you think? And Kevin was like, no, nah, I'm going to Phoenix, right? Um, or, or Mikel Bridges. There were reports of four to five first-round picks that Memphis offered, and, and Brooklyn said no. Uh, there were reports of OG Ananobi, three first-round picks, and Toronto saying no. I, I think if, if the Grizzlies really wanted Ananobi to be a member of the Memphis Grizzlies, they would have overpaid by now. But this is a front office that refuses to overpay. So Buddy Heald is intriguing because what does an overpay look like for Buddy Heald who, you know, for the last several years, everybody has just said he's going to be a Los Angeles Laker, but well, maybe that eventually is true. Maybe that's true now. Maybe that's true in a week or a year. But I think that if you were able to have, and this is just me being crazy apparently, because half of the Grizzlies fan base wanted to put my head on a silver platter for this. If you take Zaire Williams, who I mentioned a moment ago may not fit, Right. Brandon Clark, who's recovering from an Achilles injury. And if there's anybody in the NBA whose skill set is dependent on ability to leap and then leap again rapidly off of that, a second jump, it's Brandon Clark. So I'm worried about Clark's health long-term. Yeah, You do those two guys in a first-round pick to the Indiana Pacers for Buddy Heald, a year rental. Like Some people say that's not enough. Other people say that's an overpay. Imagine having one of, or in some cases, both of, Two of the three, Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, and Buddy Heald on the floor together. Like, imagine that with John Morant and Steven Adams. Like, Bombs what are we talking away. about? Bombs right. away. I am concerned about offensive efficiency. I want to see that half-court offense get better. I, Marcus Smart's not getting traded, obviously. I think it would take a lot to move on from Steven Adams at this point. Jaron Jackson Jr., of course, is not going anywhere. As long as those three guys are on your roster, I struggle to see you having anything less than a top 10 defense, regardless of who else is next to those dudes. So I think that a Buddy Heald would make a lot of sense for these Grizzlies. And whether it's one year or they convince them to resign, whatever the case might be, just putting themselves out there to say, okay, if you didn't think we were serious after Marcus Smart, now we're super serious. And I don't think they're going to do that. That's not really how they operate. We've mentioned David Roddy and Zaire Williams and, Jake LaRavia, you know, they have a lot of theoretical bodies that should be able to fill that role. They just haven't been able to have that opportunity yet. And again, if you're a contending team, you're usually not depending on 22-year-olds to help you get there. Well, but you feel that if you got a heel, you have enough defense to go ahead and support both the heel yeah. and the canard. Because, you know, those obviously would be hurting a little bit on defense with those sure. two out there. But if you have a Triple J, Steven Adams... You you feel that you have enough defense to support that. You're 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 blowing by Buddy Heald or Luke Kennard and dribble penetration, but Stephen Adams or Jaron Jackson Jr. standing right there. 
Yeah. It's not like you're going to be able to score over those guys consistently. You might be able to hit a mid-range jumper, but that's what most defenses are trying to get you to hit, right? That's the point of a drop coverage. That's the point of a lot of these schemes. Okay, take the mid-range. That's the least efficient shot in basketball, at least depending on your ability to hit it, which is another layer of that conversation. Uh, but I, I, again, my biggest concern, the Grizzlies are a very strong defensive team. Taylor Jenkins is strongest in terms of his X's and O's. He's a Mike Budenholzer uh, disciple from the Milwaukee Bucks days. He is going to have a good defense. I'm not worried about that. They have the 25th ranked offense half court wise in the NBA. As long as John Morant's on the roster, they're probably going to be solid in transition. They need to find ways to score in the half court and create as much space for their MVP caliber talent in John Morant once he returns to operate. I think that having another elite three-point shooter would do that, but maybe I'm crazy. You're so not crazy. You're not crazy, no, Joe. No. You're not crazy at all. And if I was if I was talking to half of those Memphis fans who thought you were uh, cuckoo for cocoa puffs, <laughs> I, w- I would say I would say, yeah, you're sacrificing athleticism, but you're not sacrificing versatility for the reasons sure. you just laid out. Yeah, and I I think that it's important to understand that Luke Kennard has not been used as well. I mean, you watch old Detroit Pistons film of Luke Kennard, and he can create as a secondary facilitator off the bounce in the pick and roll. Like I think Buddy Heald as a catch-and-shoot dribble and sidestep to the three, he can continue to evolve in that way. They just need more offensive weaponry to give John Morant space because we can ask him to evolve as a mid-range shooter. We can ask him to work on his pull-up jumper. That's kind of like asking, you know, Michael Jordan to dunk less, right? Like it, it just feels like John Morant is really good at getting to the basket. You want to maximize that talent, put shooters out on the perimeter that you have to respect and let the guy cook. One question from our audience, and I've got a question of my own. Uh, Delano Hart is asking where your playmaking comes from in this sort of lineup without Jaw there for the first 25 games. That's a good question, uh, and thank you for it. I, I think that Desmond Bain is somebody. You know, it was either four or five assists. I always mix the number up. Um, but he was a, a, a pretty good creator for a wing combo guard in the NBA on the perimeter last year. Marcus Smart, again, if they kind of share that responsibility, Smart as a true point guard is not the best look, but if he and Bain can kind of go split, go halvesies uh, as the technical term on the point guard position, I think that that can can be successful. And Steven Adams is an underrated passer. You know, his first year in Memphis, he and Bain really developed a really fun rapport, and Adams had a career year creating in the, at the high post, off the elbow, circa Marcus Saul, who I know, you know, a shared lineage there uh, with the Gasol brothers um, between Lakers fans and Grizzlies fans. Mark did a lot of that during his time in Memphis, passing out of the elbow and the high post. And Steven Adams has that ability, not quite like Gasol, but Adams can do similar things in that way. So it'll be kind of by committee. John Morant is an underrated playmaker for others at this stage of his NBA career. But I think that they'll be able to have numerous players that can do that. Once you get beyond those guys, it gets a little bit more iffy, right? You're essentially depending on Derrick Rose, who hasn't been Derrick Rose in a long time. But for 25 games, can he come in for 12 minutes and give you a couple of assists and a couple of buckets? Probably so. And, and that'll be another name that you'll have to watch with Morant out. So where do you see the Memphis Grizzlies this season? You talked about the Lakers, and thank you for your thoughts on that. We'll go ahead a little bit more into detail here in a minute. But 
Where do you see the season for the Grizzlies up ahead? Obviously, it could be touch and go the first 25 games, but coming out of it could make Mm -hmm. your team a lot stronger. This will be a season because the Grizzlies, up until the point we talked about how for the first time they gave up some of their own first-round picks. Yeah. Progress is part of this rebuild because that's basically what they've been doing. They're really good at it, but the Grizzlies have been rebuilding. Part of this rebuild has been – showing that you can grow your young team in an organic way and have success. But part of that has also been the idea that progress is not always linear, right? And I think last year is a great example of that. They took another step forward two times in a row. They were the number two seed in the Western Conference. That's not easy to do in a Western Conference that almost everybody is trying to win, right? So progress isn't always linear. I think this is going to be another example of that, but in a different way. I think they're going to wind up being the five or six seed in the Western Conference for the regular season. Like I said, I think they'll struggle without job more than they have in the past because Tyus Jones isn't there. But Tyus Jones, if he's not a starting point guard, is not a good point guard. Like that's one of the common misconceptions in the NBA. Look at his numbers as a true reserve behind Morant. He struggled mightily. When he started for job, he had great numbers. And that's why I think if you play fantasy basketball, I would draft Tyus Jones late in your draft and look brilliant because he's going to play well for the wizards. I promise you Uh, because he's going to be the starter. He doesn't have to worry about being a backup anymore, but he wasn't that in Memphis and that hurt them. But when he was the starter for jaw, it obviously helped. So I think that they'll struggle a little bit more because Marcus smart is not Tyus Jones. That doesn't mean that it was a bad trade. It's just the reality of them saying we're not as concerned about the regular season as we are April and May. Right. Jaw will come back, guns a-blazing, pun intended, unfortunately. They will be in a position where, as long as he's able to stay on the floor, in my opinion, they'll be the best team in the league, similar to the Lakers. Again, the Lakers did it via the trade deadline. Memphis will be a return to play and form, hopefully, from their MVP candidate caliber player, John Morant. That'll put them at the five or six seed. And I think they can make a run at the Western Conference Finals. I really do. I think that they have that ability with Marcus Smart in the fold You know, maybe they'll see the Lakers again in the Western Conference Finals and get knocked off. But once you get to the Western Conference Finals, you roll out the ball and you compete as best you can and see where the chips fall. Uh, Just getting there would be a success for a team. To to your point from earlier, I think Desmond Bain is 25. John Morant's 24. Jaron Jackson Jr. is 24. Desmond Bain's under contract for the next six years. John Morant for the next five years. Jaron only the next two, but... Jaron's going to be very motivated to get some All-NBA Defensive Player of the Year love, as Bobby Marks of ESPN reported. If he gets an All-NBA or Defensive Player of the Year award, he'll be eligible for a five-year, dollars extension as a Supermax. So Jaron's going to have a lot of opportunity without Jai out, and I think he's going to be motivated by that possible extension. So the Grizzlies have their big three. I think Marcus Smart is the guy that can help lead them through these next few years. I'm a believer in this team, even if they drop a little bit in terms of regular season standings. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. 
Once again, it is Joe Mullinax. He's doing a great job with us. He does an even better job on Bluff City Media, plus also as well, Locked on Grizzlies podcast. It's available to you on your podcast outlets five days a week. So please go ahead and check out all the great work that he's doing today. Magic Man, I will start with you on the Lakers questions. So go ahead, my friend. Any Lakers questions for Joe before we head on out? Yeah, Joe, uh, you said uh, you really liked what the, the Lakers did the offseason. We kind of feel the same way. However, uh, if you had if you had to pinpoint where a weakness would be that it can expose some flaws, what would you say that weakness is for the Lakers right now? Jared Vanderbilt, and I think most Lakers fans would agree with that. And I love Jared Vanderbilt. He's a guy that I really wanted them to the Grizzlies to try to go after potentially before the trade to the Lakers. I, I would say Vanderbilt because he's so limited offensively. He's like a worse Brandon Clark in that way. Obviously Vanderbilt's a better defender. I think he's a better energy player than Clark, but Clark has a little bit more offensive acumen to his game, especially as a finisher in the pick and roll Vanderbilt. You almost don't have to pay attention to at all on that end. If he can develop and I, he did do some growth in the playoffs. That's important to point out. If he can continue that development, especially at that contract number, that was one of the most frustrating things about the Lakers offseason. Every contract you looked at, you were like, ah, oh, crap, that's good value, right? Like, it was, they made smart signings. Like, they were operating as a functional front office. And I think the Vanderbilt deal, which is very similar in structure to what Brandon Clark signed, uh, is a good deal, especially if you consider that he's young and he should be able to grow into that money a little bit. I'd say Vanderbilt's somebody to worry about because you need a player like that, but you also need for them not to be a complete offensive liability. Well, the thing is, though, with Vanderbilt, it's a mid-level right now when it starts out. Sure. But as the money gets bigger everywhere else, uh, that will actually be below mid-level. So right. hopefully it will get some nice return on that contract. I, I agree mm -hmm. with you on that. A lot of the hopes for the Lakers, I think it pins themselves on him and, you know, what he can do to progress as an individual, especially on the offensive end going forward. And that is a big F going forward. Indeed. The lonely Lakers question I have for you, because you already said you were, you see them around a third, fourth place, which is where mm -hmm. most of the experts that we've had on had about about 20, 22, 23 so far, Sean. Yeah. Yep. And, and most of them picked right around the third and fourth in the Western conference. What do you think the gap is between, I mean, I'm assuming, and I'm going to assume that mm -hmm. Denver and Phoenix are at the top of your list there. What do you think the gap is between those two teams and everyone else, like the Grizzlies, like the uh, Lakers, and like everybody else in the Western Conference? Not that big. I mean, the Grizzlies were a couple of games behind the Denver Nuggets for the one seed. You know, until a few weeks left in the regular season, there was a chance that Memphis still could have caught Denver for the one seed. So that's the thing about the Western Conference. Like, the Nuggets are really good. And they should be, you know, the old Ric Flair adage to be the man. You got to beat the man. The favorite in the Western Conference should be the Denver Nuggets because they're the man. But you've got the Phoenix Suns and you've got the Los Angeles Lakers. You've got the Memphis Grizzlies. You've got the Sacramento Kings who nobody talks about, but it's not like they're just going to magically become bad at basketball, right? Like they're, they're still going to be hanging around and have some success. You Almost everybody except probably Portland here in the next couple of days, right? Assuming they trade away Damian Lillard. Very few teams in the Western Conference are actively trying to be bad. Even the Houston Rockets, Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks. It's going to be hard for them to be as bad as they were last season with veterans like that on their team. So the Western Conference is a gauntlet. If you're assuming health for everybody, 
I do think that you have to give Denver and Phoenix their due. But at the same time, if I was a Lakers fan, there's no reason I wouldn't go into a seven-game series and not think I could compete with anybody in the Western Conference, assuming that LeBron James is healthy and rested, assuming that Anthony Davis is healthy and willing to play the center position on a consistent basis. As long as all of that fits into place, again, Austin Reeves, Rui Achimura, all the great re-signings and movements that they did in the offseason, the Lakers are right up there with anybody in the Western Conference. It's, it's, it's a multi-horse race in the West. And that's part of what makes covering that aspect of the NBA so much fun. I've got a question uh, from Bloodhound in our chat. It's back to Grizzlies just real quick. And then after that, okay. we're going to go ahead and give all the time to you on what everything you're working on. Sure. He asked uh, two questions. What do you think the Grizzlies still need to contend? And then do you think they should go back to the teal jerseys as their permanent look? I love the teal jerseys. I'm, I'm good with their current uniform selections, but I do like them as a city kind of addition. Uh, as far as what they need for contention, uh, I'm Mikel Bridges, right? Maybe that's what they want for contention. Uh, and again, they're not going to get Mikel Bridges. And most teams, like I'm sure Lakers fans would be like, oh, Mikel Bridges would be great, right? Like that's probably the type of player a lot of teams want. But you're a, a team that game. has the assets that could possibly get him. Could. Yeah, but if, if it involves trading away Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., or John Morant, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. True. Right? Like, if you're able to give everything away and keep those three guys, yeah, I agree with you. But like we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, multiple reports came out that they threw the house in for Kevin Durant. They yeah. threw five first-round picks for Mikel Bridges. If that's not going to get the job done, and they say, oh, well, we need Desmond Bain. Well, the Grizzlies have that guy under contract for six years and he's one of the most efficient offensive weapons in the NBA, it doesn't make sense to trade Desmond Bain. Okay, cool, you have Mikel Bridges now, but you lost Desmond Bain. I, I think whatever the best player they could possibly get to keep Jaw, Bain, and Jaron together, that would be worth exploring, and I'm sure they already have. But at the same time, again, missing on the Zaire Williams pick so far hurts them a good bit. Because if that was Trey Murphy the third, we're having a different conversation right now. Like this would be a much more dangerous team if they had that caliber of scorer and shooter. And again, decent defender, uh, putting aside the injury that he has. That, that That's really a, a significant piece to this. If Zaire Williams can come along, this team's ceiling goes up even higher because they have that bigger wing that can help defend. Marcus Smart is obviously a tenacious defender and basketball player. The laws of physics at some point kick in, and you need to have somebody that has that size that can also score the ball. Brandon Ingram would be wonderful on this Grizzlies team. I'm not sure how they would ever get him to Memphis, but he would make a lot of sense. So before we head on out, I want to go ahead and make sure to give you plenty of time to go ahead and tell everybody about what you're working on and what you're doing. And then, Magic Man, some final comments from you, my friend, as well. But go ahead, Joe, what you're working on, my friend. Sure. Well, I'm. Uh, you mentioned the Locked On Grizzlies, your team, each and every day as a proud member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, getting back into those everyday shows, that, that's a, an adjustment uh, coming out of the offseason. But I have a wonderful co-host into Michael Cole of the Commercial Appeal. Uh, he's the Grizzlies beat writer for that publication. So he and I have a great rapport and work well together. So subscribe, like, comment, rate, review, all those fun things. I'm the Grizzlies columnist for Bluff City Media. So once or twice a week, I'll be writing about the Memphis Grizzlies as the season begins. Make sure you're checking out my work at blessedcitymedia.co. And 
I'm on X or Twitter or whatever the hell it's called now at uh, at Joe Mullinax, my name. So follow me there. Uh, I, I, you know, love doing this. I'm going into my goodness gracious, my 11th year covering the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, I've started at Grizzly Bear Blues over at SB Nation 11 years ago, and, and now here I am still doing it. I uh, haven't lived in Memphis for a long time, but it's my way of kind of connecting to the city and being there virtually. It had that much of an impact on me. And, you know, turns out I'm kind of good at it. So uh, it, it's it's a great hobby to have, and it's a wonderful opportunity to get a chance to chat with great folks like you. That's one of the coolest things about this. You know, people in Vegas, people in, in Canada, people, you know, like me hanging out in Virginia, you know, having the chance to talk about basketball in a way that, I never thought I would get a chance to do, you know, this is the kind of stuff that makes it all worthwhile. So thank you guys so much for having us, for having me. Absolutely. No problem at all. Uh, Magic Matt, any last thoughts before we head on out, my friend? I just wanted to say uh, it was kind of kismet that Gerald got Joe because I was trying to get to Michael on as well to talk about the Grizz, but uh, he's a beat writer. He's got a, a busy job, kind of, couldn't work it out, but I'm so glad that uh, we got the uh, the star cross with Joe because it was an excellent <laughs> conversation and uh, hope to have you on again, Joe. Absolutely. And, and DeMichael is phenomenal. I can't stress enough. I love working with DeMichael. Um, no hard feelings if you get him next time, but I, I'm happy to happy to be with you guys and, you know, good luck on the season. Every game except for the ones where you're playing the Grizzlies. That same here as well. We'd also like to make sure we get you on during the season. Uh, we'd like to do some pre-games as well. If you guys are available, sure. we would truly be honored mm-hmm. to have you back on. Uh, Magic Man, one last question uh, before we head on out. For you, my friend, uh, I think Delano was asking for your starting lineup. I think he missed our episode when we already covered that. So what, were his, what, were your, what was your lineup? It was with Vando, correct or no? Yes. Yeah, it was. It was. It was uh, D'Lo, uh, A.R., uh, LeBron, Vando, and AD. That fifth spot for us, Joe, has been a problem. That's the major source of conversation amongst the Laker fans out there is who is going to start alongside. And like you, even though the statistics bear out, Joe, like you mentioned, where AD should be playing the five, should want to play the five. We know he doesn't want to play the five. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, he has to play the five. He's pretty important. Yeah, he's just better at that, and that's his strength, and that's his most valuable piece. And he gets paid a lot of money to do as he's told. So um, I think that you know players having powers like the Damian Lillard situation in Portland, yeah, he he has every right to want to go to Miami or or do those sorts of things. But the Portland Trailblazers are well within their rights to tell him to kick rocks. And I think that the the Lakers and and Davis obviously have a much better relationship than that, but if it's best for the team as determined by the coaching staff and ownership and everybody involved in that decision-making every stakeholder and Anthony Davis just got a pretty fat uh, extension of his own, right. We're paying you a lot of money. This is what you're going to do. And in fairness to AD, he seems more amenable to that idea than he has in the past. Hey, what Joe, you've been fantastic for us. We are truly indebted to you. Anything you ever need from us, let us know. We'd love to have you on again, as we said, of course, Magic Man, any last thoughts, my friend? Yeah, no, I agree agree 100% with Joe. Uh, Every time AD sees that direct deposit in his account, he should say, they want me to play center, I'm going to play center. Yeah, (laughs) the the, the numbers should make him feel a lot better about that. Plus the fact he lives in beautiful Southern California. It doesn't get much better than that, right? 100%. 
Yeah, absolutely, indeed. Uh, but once again, check out Joel Molinax on whatever he's doing, whether it's also, of course, Bluff City Media. Please go ahead, check him out as the host of Locked On Grizzlies. And of course, follow him today, Joel Molinax on Twitter slash X. I don't know. We might be shut out. Yeah, if they throw a paywall at us, you never know. We might be able to be. Oh, yeah. I'm never else. paying for that. That's never happening. I don't know that Neither I'm going to sign up for threads or whatever the hell that's called. I'm not doing yeah. that either. Uh, but I'm I'm definitely not paying for any of that. So that's ridiculous. Oh, my gosh, it was, it was so nice when social media was just free, and that was right. it. Yeah, right, absolutely. Simpler well, times eighteen simpler. months ago. <laughs> yeah, this is true, absolutely true. Uh, thank you again, Joe. I truly appreciate all your help to, for being on today's show. Tomorrow we've got Chris Hine, Minnesota Timberwolves, going to be covering that. Plus, also we'll probably do a show later in the day and magic man has an experience i guess you have a i guess a experience coming up tomorrow with the phoenix suns yeah i'll be with uh john voida and uh, matthew lissy of the uh the suns jam sessions podcast drill tomorrow they were terrific on our show they are they are great you want some great great guests covering phoenix joe i would i would reach out to them they were fantastic yes sounds good yep All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow for at least one or two great shows coming at you right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.